you for that. All right, all right. Well, I feel like I have a lot to live up to now after that introduction, but like Vaughn said, my name is Clarissa Mueller, um, and I'm just really excited to be up here today. God has really laid a lot of things on my heart that are very powerful that I feel like um, he wants to share through me today. Um, so I'm so excited. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Clarissa, and I'm married to my amazing husband. He's actually back in the sound booth. You'll see him doing all the technical stuff around here. Um, and we have one sweet, spunky daughter named Raylan. She's two and a half, so some of you have been around toddlers. You know exactly the season of life I'm going through. Um, but it is a joy. Um, and I am a volunteer worship arts team leader, like he said, here at the Rock Church. Um, I was asked to speak today on one of my favorite psalms, and I chose Psalm 138. A lot of you are probably familiar with this, but I'm excited to dive into how it's really impacted my life. Um, and as I was trying to plan and prepare for this day, I kept praying and I kept thinking of exactly what to say or do. I knew God had something amazing to share through me. I just hadn't figured it out yet. I was getting frustrated. I was like, all right, God, like, I know you have something, but what is it? Speak to me. And weeks had gone by, and finally, as I was sitting quietly in God's presence, he spoke so clearly to me. And he said, Clarissa, your story is enough. Your vulnerability and your boldness is enough. Your willingness to speak is enough. You will never be perfect. This is good. But I am. You will never feel completely ready, but I am. Because he is the great I am of everything. I am ready to do a great work through you if you let me. You don't have to have it all together because I have everything worked out already for good. So share what I have done in your life so that people know their story is enough too. So that's exactly what God spoke to me. You know, I think a lot of us can relate to those, you know, when God's about to do something amazing, the enemy creeps in, says, you know, you've done so many things. What makes you think you're even capable of doing anything? Um, but persevere through, and, and here we are today. So um, today I'm going to give you a glimpse into my life, just as Vaughn talked about, and things that have not always been easy for me. Because just like the stories in the Bible show us, I know that we are all more alike than we are different in this room today. That we all, in one way or another, battle something. We have all been in deep, dark, disappointing, or tragic seasons in our life. But the beautiful thing that I've realized about seasons is that they come and they go. Every season has a plan and a purpose. I'm sharing my real life with you today, not living in shame or fear, but because my life is an open book to display the greatness and the faithfulness of God in my life. If God can save my life over and over again, and work miracles in my life, then he surely can for you too. At the Rock Church, we want the real stuff here. Right, Vaughn? We want the broken. We want the hurt, the ugly. We want anything but fake, just like the Bible shows us. Because in those real, raw, honest moments is where God is the closest, where he meets us, where he transforms us, where he uses us to pursue people, influence lives, and ultimately multiply the people we'll see in heaven someday. We are so much better when we can do life together. So for those of you who are new here today, welcome. So glad you're here. For those of you who have been in church before, and I really want to touch on this. 
but maybe you've been hurt by that church or by someone claiming to be a Christ follower. God wants you to know today that he did not hurt you. People hurt you. And the fact about people is, yes, even Christ followers, is that we are all still sinners in need of a Savior, Jesus Christ. We are all still flawed and a complete work in progress and fail daily. But Jesus Christ never fails us. Amen. I encourage you all to open your hearts to what God wants to speak today, what he wants to speak to us, including myself, because let me tell you that I am speaking to my own heart up here. So if you're all okay with it, I'm going to take some risks today. I'm going to step out of the safety of my comfort zone because I know that God is not a safe kind of God. You may be thinking, what do you even mean by that? But every story I read in the Bible involves big risks. I mean, talk about an amazing, interesting book filled with drama, and I mean, it's just crazy to believe the kinds of people God chose and used to, you know, live on our faith to this day. But just like Jesus saying he will never leave the 99 who are, that he will leave the 99 people who are saved to run after the one. And I was once that one person that he ran after, to be honest. Many, many stories and scriptures involve stepping out of someone's comfort zone and taking risks to show the power and love of Jesus, just like Hebrews 13, verse 6. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So if the Bible, if Jesus did not live in his comfort zone and we are called to be like Jesus, then maybe we shouldn't either. So that is exactly what I'm doing today, stepping out of my comfort zone. So I grew up in Cordova, Nebraska, a very, very small village, yes, a village, of about 140 people in the more eastern part of the state. Some of you may know where this is, um, around Seward, York, Nebraska. I lived with my mother, my father, and my sister, who was only 16 months older than me. We lived in a tiny two-bedroom, one-bathroom home on the outskirts of town for the first half of my life. I grew up going to a small Lutheran country church in town, and you better believe it, my mother and grandparents made sure my sister and I went. We were very, very poor, though. We hardly even had enough food or could even afford diapers growing up. I lived with a mother that was in a wheelchair for a good part of our childhood due to multiple sclerosis and a father who hated to even hear the name of Jesus or even go step foot in a church, a father who couldn't hold down a job and was living with hard drugs and alcohol controlling his life. He would even make meth on our kitchen stove. I will never forget the times he would not come home and called us from jail. He had moments of anger. He had moments of abuse and fidelity, hurts, and many, many hang-ups. Sometimes my sister and I would be left home alone while my dad would go get his next fix while my mom was out working or at Al-Anon support groups. My grandparents lived down the street from us, so by the grace of God, they were our guardian angels most of the time, stepping in and helping in many different ways. Sure, we could hide behind the couch or go outside to escape the reality of our home, but that was only temporary. Fast forward a few years, when I was around eight, my sister was around the age of nine, and I will never forget the day we chased my dad down the driveway, telling him, come back, daddy, come back, don't leave us. I knew our family would never be the same again, and you know, even as a child, no matter how awful your parent may be, they still seem like a hero in your eyes. 
As a child, I loved my dad. I was such a daddy's girl, so it broke my heart. Yes, he had demons and battles, but he sure tried the best way he knew how. And that our internal battles, we can all relate to this somehow. Anger, impatience, addictions, pride, our past, or being hurt by the ones we love the most can hold us back from our God-given potential as a person, as a spouse, as a father or a mother, as a daughter or a son. I think we can all relate to that in some way or another. But we do the best we can with what we know at the time. And that is what my father did. All I knew was that life would never be the same, and I felt abandoned and very alone. I wanted my dad and my family back, and I, I remember praying to God, God, bring my dad back, bring my mom and dad back together, praying for that miracle that never came. But when the court hearings came and the every other visitation schedule started, I knew soon enough that it was just not going to happen. My mother remarried a few years later, and we moved 15 minutes away to the village of Goner, another village in Nebraska, a whopping 186 people. So we got a little bigger. Now it's, of course, 185 since I've moved. My sister and I were able to stay in our same K-12 school at Centennial, a whole 60 people in our class. We still did not have much money, but my mother did the best she could to give us a loving and wonderful life. To this day, she still is my hero. She tried to shield us from so much pain in our life, and she is a walking miracle, no longer in a wheelchair from her multiple sclerosis. The doctors cannot even believe her MRI scan reports and how Jesus has healed her. Yeah, amen, amen. The work ethic we had from our life growing up from farming animals, working long, hot hours in the sun, sun up till sundown, detasseling corn, roguing beans, scooping chicken houses, collecting eggs, running after cattle, fixing fences, harvesting. Okay, come on, ranchers and farmers. You know exactly what I'm talking about. That stuck, stuck with me. And to this day, I have paid for every single vehicle I've ever owned and paid for everything I've gotten in life, even my college education. Well, after my parents divorced, my sister and I began every other week in visitations with my dad. Visitations, they were usually a blast, to be honest. My dad was all about fun, 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 hunting, camping, fishing, go-karts, buying me my first BB gun, climbing on swing sets, eventually breaking my arm on a swing set. But the fun went a little bit too far when he left us alone with his roommate. You see, this roommate at the time, who did tattoos out of his home, thought it was perfectly fine to course two young girls into looking at pornography and touching them in ways a young girl should never even think of. My sister took the brunt of his hurtful, unimaginable actions, but from that day, we were once again changed, exposed. The situation, along with my sister and I being exposed to smoking marijuana, cigarettes, trying alcohol with my dad and his friends, led us to, of course, more and more court dates which involved going to the stand to testify against my father and look a man in the eyes who took advantage of my sister and I. Eventually, everything led to not being able to be with our father unless it was supervised by someone court-appointed. Of course, my father did not see the point in that and wanted so desperately to escape the crowd of his drug-addicted friends and dealers. So when I was about 12, he packed up and he left for Oregon. Once again, I felt completely abandoned. Imagine thinking, will I ever even see my own father again? Will I ever see him in my life? And I thought, how could he leave me? 
In my eyes, I was not enough to make him stay, and my sister and I were not worth it. From that moment on, I guess you could say I started to really have daddy issues. Throughout my teenage years, I had my first love and was also hurt by him when he cheated on me. I wanted to feel love from people so badly, I eventually just went with the culture and tried to find it from anyone I could. Sure, I went to a Lutheran church on Sundays, but did I really know anything about having a relationship with Jesus? No. All I knew was that God was some man in the sky, some story I read in a book, and someone that I had to try hard to earn his love like everything else in my life, only to live in fear that God would just hurt and abandon me like everyone else did. All I knew was religion and something we did on Sundays or because we had to, not something we lived out in our day-to-day -day lives. My desire to have approval and love led me to an eating disorder I battled for many years. It led me to dark depression, seeing counselors, psychiatrists, cutting myself, taking too many pills, and led me to turning into someone I did not like in the mirror, feeling like I was drowning in my own shame and guilt. Partying, smoking cigarettes, alcohol, it was not enough to fulfill me, which eventually led to two MIP charges, one open container, and a misdemeanor theft charge. Relationship after relationship was not enough. A pornography addiction was not enough. My hobbies and every extracurricular activity under the sun, band, choir, flag court, dance team, sports, you name it, it was not enough. My friends, family, and pouring myself into my job as a CNA still left me empty and searching. Why did I feel so empty, though? Why was it not enough to just go to church on Sundays and go through the religious motions? Why was me trying to be a good person and the best I could not enough? Well, college rolled around, and, around, and as I began pursuing my degree being a registered nurse, honestly something I never thought I could attain. I desperately wanted to find my way in life. So I moved out of the house at the age of 18 to Lincoln, Nebraska, Whoop, whoop, big city, no more villages. As I always worked my way through life, buying all my own things, I rented a house in the ghetto part of Lincoln. Ghetto, 27th and Vine, ghetto. With a few girls and a Middle Eastern man. But heck, I did not care at all. I was finally free to be me, to not answer to anyone. I fell away from the church. When I was not in school or working as a certified nursing assistant, I was planning my next night of partying, still mad at my dad and hurt by the mistakes I was, I was burying myself in. The ghetto house I lived in led to a man coming into my bedroom at night, sexually assaulting me. I went to the police station, then to the hospital to complete a rape kit and moved to a new home with a girl that I had met, who eventually hurt me as well. Shortly after moving, I met a guy from Afghanistan that swept me off my feet. He was different from anything I had ever known, which is exactly what I wanted at the time. He eventually proposed, and I said yes. Of course, he was a Muslim, and I was a Christian. But love can overcome anything, right? No, wrong, very wrong. At this time in my life, things began changing. God began placing people in my life that started to speak truth about who Jesus Christ really was. My sister, my mother, other friends I had met. They loved me even when I didn't deserve it. They forgave me when I knew I didn't deserve that either. 
my sister called me up one day and said, hey, come check this church out with me. I was like, ugh, okay. But yeah, it was, to- it was totally different than anything. I decided to go. But in this place is where I truly felt Jesus for the first time. I will never forget it. I genuinely prayed for the first time. I went up to the altar and I cried for the first time. When I physically, and I physically felt his arms wrapped around me and the weights that I had been dragging around my whole life just began to melt away. This church was where I met some of the most loving and authentic and joyful people who I really began to look up to. I began a journey of understanding that God was alive and that he was always with me. I started to understand that Jesus Christ was unlike anyone or anything I had ever known. As my faith grew deeper, I realized how scary and how wrong it would be to marry someone who did not love Jesus Christ like I did and the spiritual battle I was up against. Just like the Bible says in Ephesians 6, verse 12, we do not battle a war of flesh and blood, but of spiritual forces of evil in the air around us. I was madly in love with this man, but I was also madly in love with Jesus too. As, I tr- as hard as I tried to make our relationship work, it just wouldn't. I could feel the spiritual battle around me no matter how good things seemed. I knew in my spirit and heard God speak so clearly to me, this is not the man I have for you. So I made the painful decision to end things and make it my mission to figure out who Jesus really was. Was my heart broken? Yes. Did I feel alone and uncertain of the future? Yes. But I can say that I began a process of pressing and of crushing and molding, the same process that is used to make pure oil that is used to burn brightly in dark places. It was painful, but I saw God begin to change my heart and my mind. He changed my way of thinking and the way I did life. I would recite the scripture from John 16.33 over and over to myself. In this world, you will experience many difficulties. Not if we will experience it, but you will experience it. But take heart, I have conquered the world, and I've told you this so that in trusting me, you will be unshakable in your faith and deeply at peace. And that's exactly what began to happen. Well, Around the age of eight, of 19, I began struggling with severe, excruciating, and disabling pain that to this day is still something I battle every day. Frequent spine injections, epidurals, painful discograms, too many MRI CT scans to count, infusions, experimental medications with awful side effects. Talk of having multiple devices implanted in my body and traveling all over the states of talks of needing more and more surgery than I can even care to think about. Waking up now to just be thankful I can walk, move, and do my basic daily activities, even if it means fighting through pain. In the dark moments of my life, I felt his peace and comfort every time I would call out to him, though. I began to realize that he really was a father who loved and adored me. He would never leave me or abandon me, unlike most things in my life. Fast forward a few years, and by the grace of God, working through college and making it my mission, I graduated with honors as a registered nurse. A couple months later, the man I had been praying for and waiting for entered my life, and well, the rest is history. 
By that point in my life, my faith had grown by leaps and bounds. God proved to me that even through the pain, he still had a purpose. He was my rock and the constant thing that had always been there for me. The times I almost ended up dead. The times I was left in a dark alley in downtown Kansas City. The times I felt so desperately alone, brokenhearted, and hopeless. The times I thought about ending it all. I began to see his hand through it all and how he never left me and was right there. Justin, my husband, began growing and changing also in amazing ways. Our faith began to grow together. I saw God transform his faith right before my eyes and mold him into the exact man and best friend that I really needed. We soon were married. May I add that he bought my engagement ring after only six months. I was quite the catch because I was ready and we moved to the huge city of North Platte, Nebraska after that. I have had the beautiful but yet very hard opportunity of taking care of people in hospitals in the scariest times of their lives, even in moments of death, holding someone that's literally dying in my own arms. But seeing pain and death throughout my life has pushed me to an even bigger desire to see people come to know the life-saving power of Jesus Christ, knowing just how fragile life is. Seeing babies, children on ventilators, paralyzed from their neck down, really gives perspective on how fragile life is. Has it all been sunshine and rainbows on this journey with Christ? No. <laughs> but oh, so worth it. That financial struggles and making decisions to trust God with our money, people slandering, gossiping, and coming against you. The time we went in for our 20-week ultrasound and were shown where our daughter had multiple cysts on her brain. We were told that our unborn daughter might have a deadly condition that is incompatible with life and would die within hours of being born, even being offered the option of abortion if we chose to do so. We went to specialists and waited for test results to find out the most scary week of my life that the genetic testing came back completely normal and eventually the cysts on Raylan's brain were miraculously healed in my pregnancy. Now we have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we have a healthy, beautiful baby girl. The difficult time when we trusted God through the pain of losing my best friend, the mother of a beautiful one-year-old girl the same exact age as my daughter, to suicide from postpartum depression. The times over and over again throughout the past 12 years that I could not walk for weeks or months and was literally carried around in my own home because the pain was so bad in my body that I would physically just drop to the floor, not able to get back up. The time the pain was so bad throughout my body that it put me in preterm labor. The difficult times when family turned against us or the times of facing, facing job and money insecurities. The difficulties of going to many doctors to have precancerous cells cut out of the inside of my body, leading to frequent checkups and not knowing if cancer may show up again or not. The season that we are now in, dealing with infertility and new health problems in my body, along with multiple cysts on both my ovaries for over a year now with the statistics racked against us that we may never even conceive another child again. Now, I am absolutely not sharing these things to have pity or have 
anyone feel sorry for me. Actually, that is the last thing I want. Instead, I am sharing these things in my life so you can see God's goodness and faithfulness throughout my entire life. To show that all our pain has a divine purpose when we follow Jesus Christ. That even in the dark seasons in our life, Jesus Christ is still good. And that the roughest moments can bring the greatest reward. He never promised following him would be easy. Just like in Romans 5, 3 through 4, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help develop endurance. And endurance develops character, and character strengthens our confident hope and salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen. So what if we started to view our pain and our stories not as something bad, but instead as the very thing that makes us our best, that helps others, and that brings glory to Jesus. So let's look at exactly what my story and all of your story show us as well. And these will be up on the screens behind us. I encourage you to take notes, read through these throughout the week as well. So the first thing that our stories show us is that we can always trust in God's word and his promises, not our feelings. Our feelings may change, but God's word and his promises for our lives never does. Number two, our stories show us that this is our temporary home, that we should not be surprised when adversity comes, but we should rather expect it. So when we go through hard seasons, it reminds us that we are storing up our treasures in heaven and that this suffering we go through is only temporary. We can look forward to the day we are home with Jesus and look forward to heaven that much more. Number three, you do not learn the value of something until you have lost it. Example, our health. I think we've all been there before where our health is so uncertain. Our families, losing someone we love, we truly do not realize the value of something until we have lost it, which my prayer is that it pushes us to appreciate those things that much more. And number four, that God can and will use all things for good for those who love him. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, the plans I have for you are plans for good and not to harm you. They are plans to give you a hope and a future. And number five, this life is not easy, but it is a lot easier when Jesus is in the lead. Jesus is the same yesterday, he's the same today, he's the same always. He gives us strength when we have none. He gives us peace when our minds are racing and terrified. He gives us joy when our hearts are breaking. He gives us wisdom to make better decisions next time. Amen. <laughs> so I want to go back into Psalm 138, or go into Psalm 138. We haven't quite got there. Um, especially as some of our worship team comes up and starts playing and just dive into how we can really take this scripture and use it in our daily lives. That's what scripture's meant for. It's not meant to re read and, and then go about our merry ways. It's meant to be lived out. 
The Bible is not about perfect people, far from that actually, which is the exact reason I love reading it and love learning even more about the author of, of the psalm, King David. You see, David wrote this psalm after going through a very target very dark times in his life. He was chased from place to place by his close friend, King Saul, and later even betrayed by his own son. This is just one of many reasons we can relate to King David, because many of us, especially in this room, have been hurt by our close friends and family members. So if you want to follow along in our worship guides, the scripture is right there. It will also be on the screens. Verse 1. I give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart. I will sing your praises before the gods. I bow before your holy temple as I worship, and I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness, for your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. What situations can you look back on and see God's faithfulness? I guarantee if you think about it, you will. You will see it. For me, couple of the moments were when I was left for dead in a dark alley, when I was saved from being under the Muslim religion. Verse 3, as soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. Just like all the moments I was afraid and scared and alone, but he always answered me when I cried out to him. He strengthened my spirit to keep going even when I thought I could not live another day. Verse 4, Every king in all the earth will thank you, Lord, for all of them will hear your words. So in this verse, David would praise and sing and speak until the day every king, every person would eventually thank God and believe. Are we relentless like David was? That's a question I ask myself. Will we stop at nothing to reach people for Jesus Christ? Are we on fire and in love with Jesus so much that we can't help but tell people about what he's done in our lives? Verse 5, yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble. A hum humble is just a really fancy term for meaning to simply depend on God instead of ourselves. But he keeps his distance from the proud. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand, and the power of your right hand saves me. Just like the times you may have gotten an awful diagnosis or unexpected shocking news. The times your marriage or your children seem so distant or lost. Or when someone close to you hurt you so badly. He reaches his hand out, and his power saves us. Now this is the best part of it all. Listen to this. Verse 8, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon me, for you made me. Amen. We can be so reassured that God works out all the things for good and for those who love him. As the saying goes, let go and let God. Your will be done, not mine. I literally have to pray that every single day. Well, we know for certain that God's love for us is perfect, more perfect than we can ever imagine. So how much more certain can we be that he will never abandon us or leave us? Even when he seems distant, even when we ask God, do you even hear my prayers? 
Even when every single person in our life has let us down, we can be 100% certain that God never will. So let me say that again. God will never leave you. He will never abandon you when he is the Lord of your life. So if there's three things I want you guys to get out of this message today, they are these. And they'll be up there as well. One, tell your story because your story brings salvation. It shows the power of Jesus Christ in your life, who you once were without him, and who you have become by having a daily relationship with him in your life. The enemy wants to silence us because he knows that our stories point people to Jesus. Number two, your pain has a purpose. I think I need to say that again. Your pain has a purpose. We were never meant to do this life alone. And how reassuring that the same things we're going through, others are going through as well. We can know that we are never alone in our pain and that our pain can be the very thing that brings us closer to Jesus. The very thing that transforms us into a beautiful person if we let it. Number three, this is the last thing that I want you to take. Be expectant for God to turn your messes into messages. Be expectant for God to turn your messes into messages. Because he will if you allow him to, just like he did with me. So I just want to end today. We'll dim the lights down. Everybody's head bowed, eyes closed. Nobody's looking. And just ask today a few simple questions. I've had to ask them to myself. Have you honestly surrendered to Jesus by saying, let your plans and will be done for my life, not my own? As I once heard it put, does everything make sense in life? Absolutely not. But I think more stuff doesn't make sense without God. The second thing, do you have faith and trust that God's plan for your life is for good, even if your feelings might tell you otherwise? The third thing, what does Jesus look like to you? To be honest, maybe he looks like someone who's very distant, someone who's on a throne, keeping track of every bad thing you have ever done. Maybe in your eyes, he looks like someone who says you are not enough. Or maybe he is someone who in your eyes answers everyone else's prayers except yours. That's for someone here today. Maybe for some of you, he is your rock and your best friend, which is amazing. But I know that many of you, like me, have had a false belief about Jesus at one point or another. 
Well, no matter where you find yourself today, the absolute truth is that Jesus is someone who takes our shame and guilt, someone who restores and saves our lives over and over, and whose grace is not measured by how good of a person we are. Jesus is the only thing that can bring families back together, perform miracles over our lives. He is always the one there. And even when it may feel like no one else is, he is the rock, the firm foundation we can stand on when the messes in our life do not make sense and when we have unanswered questions about so many things around us. He is always holding his hand out saying, just trust me. Turn your eyes off everything else and just look at me. I will keep you from sinking and I will never let you go. Finally, the most important question out of all. Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Well, today you're going to have the chance to decide. To decide if you are tired of living for yourself like I was. To decide if you want more for your life, for your family's lives, for your children and your grandchildren's lives. And to decide if you want him to take the lead. It's simple. From this moment on, you can know that he is with you and always will be. You can know that he will give your life a purpose. You can know that when everything around you is not there, that he always will be. You can know that just as his word says, you are chosen. You are loved. You are made perfect by the blood of Jesus Christ. When you give your heart to Jesus, he will begin to make you new and transform you. He'll transform your life, just like he did with me. He'll transform your situation, and ultimately, he'll transform your future. For those of you that are saying, yes, I want that. I want Jesus to rescue me. I want to stop doing life on my own and start following him. I want all of these things you're talking about. I encourage you today, don't wait any longer. Don't wait as long as I did. And I wanna pray with you. So if that's you today, as a sign of surrender and boldness for Jesus Christ, if you want something new in your life, if you want Jesus, just slip your hand in the air. No one's looking. You want something new. You want to change your life. Amen. Lord, I thank you for every single person in this room, Lord. You know exactly what's in their minds right now, what's in their hearts, Lord. And I just pray that they can lay everything at your feet, Jesus their rawness, their realness, the things they've been hiding from you, Lord. You know it all. But the beautiful thing is that you don't love us any less. You came for us because you knew we couldn't do this on our own. So as we go back into King of My Heart, take the time you need today. If you need to sit and just talk with the Lord, if you need to just lay some stuff at his feet and just surrender, if you need to just talk with him today and sit in his presence, know that he is here and that's exactly what he wants from you today.